Hey, Cash here from Middle Age Mediocre. If you want to skip right to our story this week, you can go to the 17 minute and 45 second mark right around there. We'll uh, skip over all the nonsense between me and Joel and get you going with the story. Uh, either way, I hope you enjoy and thanks for listening. I'm Joel. We were minimal cash. I'm just minimal here for the ride. Age for a minute. I'm drunk. <laughs> give me. You are. Give me my key. G- give me my keys. Here in the hole. Where are you going? Give me my keys. <laughs> Tell the job. Go home. I'm going home. You, you, you going home? You are home. Look, it's Christmas time. Yeah. I've been nogging it up. Ugh, no, I would never nog it nog, up. I love I've been, nog. Uh, peppermint moonshine it up. All there. right. Pretty good. I like eggnog. I, I I tried it once, and I would rather not ever do it again. Mm, okay. So, but peppermint moonshine. You want a little? No, no. Kick no. it out over there. You uh-uh. go for it, man. I'll have some eggnog. Just, I mean, it kind of feels like you're just brushing your teeth. <laughs> getting, drunk, getting drunk doing it. Brushing my teeth on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> what am I crazy? Yeah. That's I'm a put, Tuesday. I'm not activity. putting on airs for anybody. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we are back here with part two of our episode about the, uh, the Dexter Empire wannabe. The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back with Mark Twitchell. Uh, it, our last episode we left off, he had, he had failed to really get his first victim. Yeah, he tried. He tried. <laughs> he made a big effort. Yeah. Uh, didn't work out, so, but we'll get into what happens from there. I got um, a confession. Joel's I got a confession to make! What's your confession? <laughs> uh, after we recorded last week, I went and watched a Dateline about this. Hey, I can't. I couldn't. You. I was all intrigued. I left you hanging. Yeah. I left you on a cliff. Yep. And you, you hate cliffs. I do. There's one thing I know about you. I do. So, so I, I watched a Dateline about it. It's pretty fucking interesting. Did it have some of the interrogation footage? It did. Yeah, it yeah. did. And some more of his writings and stuff. This guy's a fucking loser. Yeah, he is. What a fucking Beck loser. Wrote, Beck wrote a song about this guy. Who did? Beck. Oh, yeah, loser. Yeah, yeah. he wrote a song about this dude. <laughs> yeah, he's a total fucking loser. Well, no, I don't blame you for going and checking, checking yeah. out what happened. But, I mean, uh, I told you, I, I always looked at the Christmas. This is basically the, the same thing as me looking at Christmas gifts as a kid. I yeah. couldn't wait. I was like, I gotta wait a whole week to find out? Uh-uh. Yeah, so I was telling Kylie about it, and she's like, yeah, there's a dateline about it. And I was like, well, fucking, let's go. We watched Why it. are you telling me? <laughs> not turning it on. Well, so we watched it. So it you kind of know what's going on. Yeah, so I forgot some of it, If I miss too. anything, you can just uh, okay. you can punch me in the mouth and go, I got this from here. <laughs> All right. And you can start going. Just, just remember, this guy's a fucking loser. Well, I cry in the corner. He is a fucking loser. Uh, <laughs> That's part two. I will say, I don't know why this makes me feel like he's not as big of a loser as some. I feel because he didn't go after uh, women. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, at least this is a serial killer that's just after dudes. Yeah. Like, for once, we don't have this, like, horrific... Like, there's something on Dateline, too. He's kind of talking about that. Like, he didn't want to go for... You want a guy that would be like... I can't remember what exactly what they said, but what... what it, how, a bit of a challenge. Like he did, he didn't like he, he was looking for like a certain guy type. Yeah, of that's victim. why he like used the online dating profiles because you he could vet them. Yeah. So like if somebody was like a six foot five. Yeah. You know had. But didn't want like a five five guy either. Wanted, yeah, he like, wanted like that. I think he said like you know <laughs> five eleven six. So maybe foot. he said that. But I'm getting you. We and we kind of talked about okay. it. I'm a lot like Dateline. You are. Yeah. You are. I need to get my. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, I can do that sometimes <laughs> if I've like just heard it. Yeah. I can do it pretty well. Keith Morrison. Keith Morrison. That's my dude, dude. <laughs> He's just, like ninety, but he shows yeah. up and he's wearing like, like tennis shoes. Like he's got one leg propped up on something. I was like, you know, it took like three people to get that leg propped oh, up he's, there. Yeah, it was fucking eyebrow. <laughs> he's got the old man bushy eyebrows. I love that. Uh, oh boy, I love the Bill Hader. Uh huh. 
loves him so much. Yeah. Like, have you ever watched any of that stuff? I don't think I have. So Bill Hader on SNL would always do, like, a Keith Morrison sketch. Yeah. He would do a Dateline sketch, you know? Uh, and then later he was on a late night show and he was talking, like they were talking about that, that, those sketches. And he just said that he, he's like, I love, I love Keith Morrison. Yeah. He's like, date, it's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. And he's like, he's my favorite person or whatever. So there's a whole YouTube video, uh, I recommend everyone go watch where Bill Hader, uh, went to the studio where they record Dateline and stuff. Oh shit. And do like the editing. And, uh, when he's in the, stu- when he's in there where they're doing like the editing on the stuff, like they're. Just to show you what they do, they had like an older episode up and we're showing yeah. them how they. And as it like shows just a little bit of a clip of it, as he's looking, you know, he goes, he's like, oh, that's the episode where, and he knows exactly what episode. <laughs> oh they my were. God. So they're like, well, do you want to, while we get a voiceover from Keith, do you want to stay in the room? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so they bring him up like on screen where like you think that he must be like somewhere else and he's doing like a voiceover yeah. from whatever. And so they were kind of working with him, you know, and Keith Morrison's doing like the, you know, and the whole time, you know, whatever. <laughs> so then the guy that's recording, and he's like, hey, Keith, uh, I don't know what's going on, but he's like, can you just come in here, and we'll do it in here? And you see Bill Hader's eyes, like, get, like, <laughs> like what's happening right yeah. now? And then Keith Morris walks in, and Bill Hader turns into, like, a 12-year-old boy. He's awesome. like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's Keith Morris. So then it's him and Keith Morris, I'm, like, going back and forth doing Keith Morris. Oh, yeah. It's oh, so good, awesome. man. Just to see somebody, like, have, like, such pure love for yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But in the sketches are great because like when he does the sketches as Keith Morrison, like uh, the more like twisted or violent something is, like he'll like get this like smile on his face and like his eyebrows will come up and like he'll like as like the the victim or whoever or the criminal is explaining it, he'll like grab a bag of popcorn and be like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're great. It's a great uh, severed his arms and there's one episode in particular that he loves, and I forget what it is, but it's something about a trunk. I don't know. If, if you get some time, All right. oh, check got, out Bill Hader. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Keith Morrison. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I do. If I have heard Keith Morrison, I can do it pretty well. Yeah. But I can't just do it. And I'm like, that was a lot of imitations. Sure. I have to hear it first. Sure. Uh, You're very limited talent-wise. I am. Okay. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous of, like, Bill Hader and guys like that who can just do, like, a thousand impressions. Yeah. Just with no right into it's it. It's so that would be such a fun thing. Dan Soder, Dan Soder is the greatest. Yeah, I would love to just hang out with Dan Soder. Sure. If we could ever get like, I think my dream podcast for us would be, uh, and I guess separately would be fine, but together would be even more fun. Me, you interviewing Dan Soder and Seth Rogen. Oh yeah, I think that would be the most fun time. We'd <laughs> be all laughing. It would be the most fun time of our Stoner time. Stoner laughs. Yeah. It's like, it's like choir of Stoner laughs. Yeah. With Dan Stoner just doing his, like, Jesse Ventura and Hogan impression. Yeah. The three of us Macho just get man. stoned and laugh. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we do, you know, we talked about Christmas a little bit last week. Uh, it is, it's closer now. Yep, nine days from As today. soon as December 1st hit, man, it's like Boom. Christmas is here immediately. Uh, I've barely had any time to do any preparing yeah or shopping or anything i still have a day of shopping to do you know i did do last saturday though i went and saw our buddy sam at dorothy's pub marietta yeah because i w- did a little shopping at the record store and when i saw sam you know i did i got to do this number i said hey i'll see you next year and he hated it <laughs> <laughs> he almost closed down the restaurant and just burned it to the ground he was like oh yeah because it's gonna be it's gonna it's be almost a- new year's yeah so how do we? And I was so happy with myself. I was I walked out a little pep in my step. I was like, ah, I want to see him in a couple of weeks, but I told him I'll see you next year. How do people put up with you? How do people put up with me? That's my Christmas gift every year. Just people just put up with me. I haven't even ate there yet. I really want to. No, you need but to. just because of your uh, your vouching for it, uh-huh. I have told so many people about Good. that place. Good. And they're always like, oh, so what did you get? I'm like, I have not ate there yet. I'm just telling you, you need to go eat. My man knows his hamburgers. My man says it's good. I'm like, I know of Sam. I hung out a little bit. Good dude. Go eat his and I'm like, it's a Wizard of Oz kind of like, because it's Dorothy's pub. Yeah. I think his Facebook has Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorothy. So I was like, mm-hmm. he's a cool, weird dude. Cool art on the wall. Yeah, yeah. He's just, it's a cool place. Check yeah. it out. Marietta High, Front Street. I do plan on eating And then First soon, City yeah. Records, too. That's where I was at. I was hanging out with Aaron. And yeah. He had me send that He-Man art I sent you a picture of. And I need to go. Next time we uh, go, like, thrifting, Yeah. 
Drifting through the snow. On a one-horse uh, open sleigh. Buying VHS. Crying all the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, with me, and you're like, how do I do it? <laughs> I don't want to put up with you. Next time we go over that way, I need to. I want to go to First City Records uh, to check out their blues vinyl section. Oh, yeah. always got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Good used blues record. Been getting into some different people and want to see if I can find some. Now, when you say you've been getting into some different people, mm-hmm. like digitally. You can take it however you want it, man. <laughs> Philangely. Nice. (laughs) That's never a term I hear often. Like Philangely? I want to phalange you. I don't know what that means. Your phalanges are like your fingers. Oh, okay. I want to phalange you. I call them my digits. Well, you're fancier than I am. (laughs) I'm kind of a doctor. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of a doctor. I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. Yeah, I have a doctorate in being kind of a doctor. (laughs) Uh, All right, man. Well. So you got any, any uh, like what's your uh, your Christmas your number one if you could have anything in the world if Santa could bring you Fuck. anything in the world, what what would it be? If you could sit on Santa's lap and tell him the one thing you wanted more than anything else, a brown Super Bowl, a brown Super Bowl. Yep, he's not Jesus, <laughs> he's Santa. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, I just. Material items. Well, hell, maybe Belichick will go back and go. Cleveland. No, I don't want that. You don't want that? Nah. I you think don't want a winner. I still can't believe I predicted earlier in the year, beginning of football season, we predicted our Super Bowls. Yeah. And I don't know what I was fucking drinking that day. I said it was going to be like 49ers and Patriots. Did you say Patriots? Yeah, I did, because I was just trying to think of a team that, like, no one else was did picking. Did I say Cowboys and Chiefs? Probably. I can't. I don't know. I just, I've, I've just been living with the shame of predicting the Patriots, the Patriots. for all You had time. hope. Well, that's the Patriot way, man. I think like, I, every just, year I probably saw like a talking head talking, like because at the beginning of the season, like Patriots gonna be a lot better. What you think they're gonna be? Yeah, because you know they have like they got rid of that shitty offensive coordinator, and they, yeah, they made yeah. the playoffs the first year with the rookie, and I was like, yeah, Bill Belichick will find a way, and he has not found oh, a way. Oh boy, he has not found a way. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. But now the Browns are a top wild card team, and I would—that's uh, the one thing I would—I would want. Yeah, that's why—that's why I wanted to be happy in Cleveland. Everyone, my friends, my Everyone. family, yeah. But that's what I mostly want for Christmas, just happiness, togetherness, you know. I mean, it's lame, but that's that's the truth. I don't, there's, you know, I mean, there's, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want Lily, my daughter, to be happy, you know. Kylie, just you, Josh, buddy, old boy. Man, that is, <laughs> the Browns could probably be in the Super Bowl first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. They got Joe Flacco, baby. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and, man, you were so down on Flacco. I was. And then that dude and I'm came afraid to get high on him. Because, I mean, he still has a couple of interceptions last week. But he's 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 moving in the pocket better than what I thought he would. He's he already has a 300. Yeah. Like, he already has more uh, touchdown passes this year than Kenny Pickett. He was slinging he's played two games. Yeah. Pittsburgh's, but Kenny's got such small hands. Kenny. Kenny. Yeah, he does. <laughs> It's tiny old hands. This is an anti Kenny Pickett podcast. I liked him. Like I had, we're I half thought, anti. I thought he was gonna be. Uh, I, thought, I thought Steelers. That was gonna be. But man, he is not. I don't. I don't he's know. not him. Yeah, he's not. He's not him. Now, I'm still. Pick, I'm still riding the Cowboys. Yeah. For the NFC. They're looking uh, good. They they handled the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, forty. I don't know if anybody can beat the Forty Nineers. Oh, uh, the Browns can because they have. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> NFL's weird. But God, all the Browns. I, they have to be the most injured team in the NFL, right? I mean, just every week, two more players are gone for the year, and they just keep next man up. Yeah. I think, realistically, it's probably going to be more like uh, 49ers and Ravens. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to be what? I won't watch the Ravens in a Super Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was in a card break <laughs> the other night that uh, it was a rant, like you got a random team, mm-hmm. whatever. And I got the fucking Ravens. Yeah. And I was like, anybody want the Ravens? I will trade like pretty pr- for pretty much any team. Yeah, give me and the no Cardinals. takers. And then I got like a Terrell Suggs, uh, something like. Yeah, they got some good players. I just I've, and Roquan Smith. That's the Browns. I can't. I, just, I don't like the Ravens. Yeah. So that's football talk. Yep. Go football. Go sports. Go teams. Yes. Uh. Okay. So happiness. Just just happiness for all. Yeah. What do you want? What's your thing that you would? The one thing, uh, and like I'll give a. Legi- I mean, I'm already here. So. I'll give a legitimate, like physical possession okay. item that I would want would be. 
a first pressing of the Lucero album, Tennessee. I don't know what any of that means. First pressing, that's a record. On vinyl. And what's the band? Lucero. Oh, yeah. Lucero. Lucero, as you like to say. <laughs> I thought yeah. you said Lucero. Their album, Tennessee, on vinyl. Yeah. Uh, probably, that would probably be. All right. It's, it's not very easy to find. So if you're out there, Lucero, and you're listening. Yeah. Sorry about your name. Original pressing. Would love to have it. Okay. So that'd be like the, I have most of their records, but uh-huh. I, don't, I don't have the original of that. Hmm. I have the re-release. Yeah. So and that's not good enough for you. Not good enough for me. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Nope. So that'd be like the one, the big ticket item. But I don't. Not like a Marvel coloring book. Uh, I've got it. We got it. <laughs> you got it. You got it for me. I had to go with my backup. Uh, not a dollar Marvel coloring book from Family Dollar. Yeah, it's what I wanted first on my list, and you got it for me. So Boom, I nailed it. Uh, like, let's see what a first pressing is. Now, I may be way off. It may be not may not be as much as it used oh, to I'm be. I'm sure it's a couple hundred. So, so it could be something where I look at it and go, "Oh, I'll just buy it right now," and then Merry Christmas to me. Um, he's yeah. googling. He's typing and scrolling. He's googling. So hard. I mean, two hundred fifty bucks. Okay. Not like out of this world. Yeah. Outrageous, but yeah, 250 you, you bucks. You get a good bonus one day. That might be something like, hey, I'm getting this. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I get I did get to rub you elbows. You follow McDonald's and sue him. First thing you're going to buy is that. Right? I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying every day. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get the fall down. Yeah. I did get to rub elbows with a uh, CEO of a company. I heard. Uh, it was a fancy dinner. Things like that. Uh-huh. It was a pretty cool professional experience, I must say so myself. Seeing how that side lives. Uh you know, just talk, them talking about you know flying here and there for meetings, and like he's got a bar in his uh, in his office, and like just dropping money on like uh, dinners shit. and stuff. And yeah. I'm like that's that's the that's what I want. Yeah. Like I either want like like I'd be completely fine never having anything, or I want like everything. Yeah. Like it's this middle <laughs> shit is getting old to me. This shit of like I I have just enough where I can kind of. I either want to be Oscar the Grouch living out of a trash can, yeah, or Walt Disney, or fucking. I don't know yeah. why I yeah. Walt Disney. He's dead and his head's cut off. But before that, before I want to be that. I want to be. I want to be dead for head cut off. <laughs> well, you should have ran into the want to be Dexter killer because he it? probably could have made it happen. He would have tried. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have beat the, the shit out of this he guy. He would have just laughed at his hockey mask. I would have been so pissed off if he tased me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it would have hit me later. Yeah. But, oh, man, would I have been pissed. Like, first. you got to taser me with a hockey mask on? Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay, let's get into it. So, uh, when we last uh, talked about this, we had just met uh, Johnny Altinger. Uh, and, like we said, Mark had tried to take his first victim. Yeah. Um, Giles. It gills. Is it, is it That's what gills? I'm pretty, yeah, because I okay. laughed at you. I was like, God damn it, well, Josh. G-I-L-L-E-S, wasn't it? Gillis? I think it was Gillis, maybe. Okay. Something like well, that. We never have to talk about him again. So okay. We do. He comes back later. But. Okay. Yeah, he does. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, he tried to take him out. Didn't work. Uh, the police didn't really seem to be... The he most did. timid person he couldn't get. I know. Like, watching that guy get interviewed, I was like, how did you not get this guy? Uh, when he, you know, he decided not to go to the police because he was embarrassed. They told everybody else. He told everybody though. <laughs> he told everybody. And there were. There I felt like like that the small interactions at the grocery store, you know, where he's getting checked out. Like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh well, some guy tried to taser me, and I think he tried to kill me, you know. But other than that, going pretty good. And the, gotcha, the lady's yeah. like, I'm. I hate my job. Why are yeah. you talking? You know? I've have two, I have four hours left on my shift. I yeah. don't care. He's like, I can't tell the cops, though. I wish somebody would come in here and tase me. Uh, yeah, and there were two people that, like, you know, almost witnessed it that he tried to get help from, and, and they did finally tell the cops. But yeah. when the cops came, since nothing was happening in front of their eyes, yeah. they were like, oh, we don't know. Well, we do. Like, yeah. what are we supposed to do? Like, investigate? Yeah. Not going to happen, lady. It's a Saturday. So uh, that's what happened. Uh, and then we meet, uh, like I said, so Johnny Altinger. He's uh, born on April 28th, 1970 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, on October 10th, he is sitting at his computer. Uh, he has just met a lady online. Uh, and he's doing some, some online flirting with mm-hmm. her. Uh, he's LOLing. Yeah, he's LOLing. He's RF LMAO. Yeah. LMAOing. 
Uh, he's WYDing. Uh, he had a four-day weekend coming up. So uh, he was like, you know what? I got some time to meet a lady or two even. So he had met a woman named Jen. Uh, and Jen seemed interested in meeting him and suggested that Johnny come over to her house. So she proposed that for safety reasons, he uh, arrive in the alley behind her house and that she would approve him before letting him come the rest of the way so she could, like, be able to see him. Yeah. You know, make her... Make sure he's real. Make sure, yeah. Make, make sure he's not, like, three penguins in a trench coat. Right. Because you always have to be careful. <laughs> this is the podcast it's about called, things in trench coats. It's called penguining. Okay. <laughs> I will not be penguined again. Catfishing's old. <laughs> penguining is the new catfishing. Oh. Uh, and they're sneaky little guys. They're, they're adorable. adorable. Yeah, they're, they're adorable. They are. You don't... Uh, but they're always up to no good. Uh, so, uh, and this seems very similar to what happened with uh, Gills or Giles or uh-huh. whatever. Like, he got some odd directions. But so Johnny, uh, he, he was pumped. He was looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, so, Jen had told him to enter through the partially partially open garage door, uh, explaining that the gate to her backyard was locked. So, he reaches the main door on the other side of the garage. Um uh, she had also said in a message that I have a friend coming over to use part of it as a workshop this weekend. So he blanketed off where my car usually goes. Like, I need red sp- red sp- spray paint on my car, right? Don't ask. So, you know. <laughs> uh, later that day, Johnny's friend Willie messaged him, asking him if he had anything going on that night. Johnny said, oh, I do. Oh, Willie. Oh, Willie. You better sit down for this one. I got gin tonight. Uh, so he was talking about, he was very excited about the, the chances of him getting lucky. Uh-huh. So he told Willie, though, uh, she does have some strength. Like, she's not really giving me her address, though. She's kind of, you know, telling me i got to do this. And So Willie was like, I don't know about that. Sounds sounds like some penguins, right? Yeah. Willie's thinking with the right part of his body. <laughs> yeah, Willie's singing with Johnny's his, singing with something else. Willie's singing with his Johnny. Johnny's <laughs> singing with his Willie. <laughs> so... Willie told Johnny, uh, well, hey, man, send me a text with the address once you get there. Like, let me, that way I, yeah. you know. So, Mark uh, Twitchell, now he had made uh, some changes to his original, to his plans since, you know, he had the trial run, didn't quite work out. So, he had, he learned from it. Good. Which is what you're supposed I mean, to do. Yeah. From your failures, yeah. you're supposed to you learn. you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that's insanity. Yeah, and Mark, not insane. <laughs> I don't so, He's probably delusional, not insane delusional. Uh, so, you know, Mark had made some adjustments, but Johnny was also cautious and didn't quite make, you know, he he could see some things going on, whereas, like, Gills or Giles, he yeah. just didn't give it. He was like, just it's all Giles. sounds. Just call him Giles. It's okay. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to call him Gills. <laughs> so, yeah, so Giles, like, had been all, like, yeah, everything seems awesome. Yeah, like, roll he, through a door, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so Johnny shows up. Uh, or Johnny forwards the directions that he got from Jim, Jen to his friend Willie. Uh, and then he got to the garage a little bit early uh, in his red 2005 Mazda 3 hatchback. Ooh. So, you know. I bet he had, like, one of those radios where you could take the face off and then, like, carry it with you. Remember those? I do. Those I do. Yeah, I never little... took mine with me. I did. Did you? I, was a, I don't know why. I had one when I was a senior in high school, and like the, my first car is shitty '85 Buick yeah. Skyhawk. Like the only thing in it was that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm taking this with me. <laughs> so Mark sees the car pull up. Uh, he turns the light off and then gets himself into position. Uh, Johnny pulls into the driveway and comes into the garage and he yells out like, "Hey, you know, uh, that way in case the buddy." Hey, I'm not three penguins in I'm a not trench three coat. <laughs> So Mark uh, uh, is staying quiet, and he's waiting for Johnny to keep moving, like, past him. But Johnny's not moving. He's just kind of standing there. So Mark finally, uh, he takes off his mask really quick, flips on the light, which is, I don't know why he took off his mask. Yeah. And he tries to, he, he tells Johnny, oh, hey, man, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm getting this garage set up for a uh, movie set that I'm, you know, a movie I'm doing. Uh and Johnny was just like, that's mm, not quite what Jen told me you were doing here. Yeah. Uh, but Mark introduced himself, you know, tells Johnny he's a Star Wars fan. Uh, Mark tells Johnny that Jen's not home yet. She's going to be back in about a half hour. And uh, so Johnny, he the whole thing seems fishy to him, so he leaves. And he's like, I'll, I'll be back. But he leaves. Yeah. So 
Johnny then calls his other friend, Dale, and he tells Dale what just happened. Uh, and then he goes online, and he sends Jen a message, and he apologize, or she apologizes for being late uh, and asks him to come back, though. She's, she's home now. Um, and Johnny is like, okay, cool. We're back on. So he tells Dale, hey, you know, she was just running late. Things were back. Then he heads back to Jen's house. So uh, he gets back, goes in the garage. Mark's still in there. Uh, the two guys kind of, you know, nod at each other, like, hey, what's up? And then Johnny starts to walk to the other side of the garage. And then Mark, in his journal, would later write, uh, and he refers to John as Jim. He writes, because, you know, <laughs> covering the crap. Yeah, that, when I described the exact way I killed him, like, but, but the victim's name is John, and this is this Jim. This is Jim. This won't stand in court. <laughs> so, He's so smart. He says, uh, quote, the room filled with the echo of the pipe crashing into the back of a skull. I hate this fucking guy. I was like, I could feel my predator self take over. Oh, his, his dark half. And His uh, dark passenger. Is, he says, that one single motion was the end-all be-all. I had committed now, and there was no going back. The jig was up, and it was kill or get arrested for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Maybe even attempted murder. I won't go to jail. The son of a bitch didn't drop like the sack of potatoes I was expecting, though. Are you like in every movie he's watched where you hit someone once on the head and yeah. they just... Bonk. Yeah. And you're out for five hours. <laughs> a little tiny bump didn't grow out of his head and stars circling around. And I said, what? And you see a single Tweety Bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, are you serious, I asked myself. I continued thwacking Jim over the head repeatedly, but it only seemed to fuel his adrenaline. John yelled out for the police before Mark got in one more hit uh, that knocked him the police! <laughs> Uh, he was still conscious, though, and he began offering money if he was just if J- Mark would just let him go. Mark hit him again with the steel pipe that he had wrapped in duct tape. Uh, this did give Johnny a rush of adrenaline. Though. Why did he wrap it in duct tape? Uh, Maybe so he could peel it off and then burn yeah, that for evidence or something. Yes, right. even though the tape residue would be on there. Yeah. So. Um, so Johnny, though, after this last hit, says, "I've had enough of this." <laughs> So, I don't know how hard. Mark I'm not was. having fun anymore. I don't know how Mark. Look, I'll put up with a lot to meet a lady, but twelve hits to the head of the guy. I get it. I can do eleven. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, like I don't know how hard Mark can swing, but if you've hit somebody in the head with a steel pipe multiple times, and then they can say, "I've had enough of this shit," yeah. I, you might want to find another hobby. Yeah. Like I don't know if you're good at this. Uh, How about just stick to writing your movies? Like, it doesn't have to be a real thing. So, uh, uh, after he says, I've had enough of this, he tries to grab the pipe. uh, But then Mark pulls out a hunting knife and stabs Johnny in the stomach. Uh, Mark described Johnny's reaction in his journal, quote, His reaction was pure Hollywood. The lurch forward with the grunt was dead on TV movie of the week stuff. Fuck this guy. God so Mark plunged the knife into Johnny's neck and let him bleed out on the floor. Uh, he noted that the killing happened off of the plastic sheet, so he would have to clean up the blood. Uh, he noticed that the garage door was still partially open, and he wasn't sure if anybody had actually seen the attack and called Whoopsie. the police already. So he hurries up and he closes the garage, and then he waits to hear, if, waits to see if he hears any sirens. Uh, he starts planning while he's doing this. Um, you know, what his, like, reason's gonna be. Like, m- probably, he'll probably try to say that it was self-defense. Yeah, he you know, broke into broke garage. In. Uh, he, attacked, he attacked my pipe with his head. Yeah. He just, he Over, just, he he just kept, kept doing it. He kept trying to headbutt my pipe, and I was like, listen, this is my best pipe. I wrapped it in duct tape. To keep it safe. To keep it safe. Here you are. Just <laughs> it with your head. I've had enough, sir. Stop, stop. So, uh, no police showed up, though, so nobody must have witnessed this. Or they did, and the police just said, yeah, yeah, we keep hearing about <laughs> yeah. that guy. It's cool. Well, full as once. We went last Shame time. Shame on us. Full as twice. <laughs> Shame on you. You know what? You're under arrest. Yeah. We know where to find you. So, uh, he wrote a very detailed description of what he did with Johnny's body. He wrote that he got him on the table and worked from the feet up. He cut off his pants and shirt left his socks and shoes in place. He cut the legs at the knees and then again at the hips, placing the parts in garbage bags. He cut the arms at the elbows and the shoulders, first cutting off his fingertips before putting the parts in garbage bags. Do you think he's singing that song? He's like, the ankle bones connected to the knee bone or whatever it is. That's dark. Never mind. Uh, Edit that out. 
Uh, once the body parts were in garbage bags, he began cleaning the inside of the garage. Uh, most of the blood was not caught by the plastic, so he used ammonia to wipe the blood splatter off the walls, the garage door, and the floor. There was a giant pool of blood that had been partially soaked up by Johnny's jacket, and Mark pulled down the sheet that was stapled up as a divider and threw it in the, on the pool uh, as well. Eventually, he got all the cleanup done and moved Johnny's car into the garage, but he was still covered in blood. He had a change of clothes in his car, but it would be hard to get all the blood off his face, and he would definitely smell like blood. So in his journal, he noted what he should do the next time, it, and it read, quote, Next time, the whole room gets bubbled, not just half from my kill room. I had used a plastic sheet normally chosen to cover living room furniture when painting walls, but it obviously didn't suffice. This time, I used a single layer of mid-grade quality stuff. Next time, I will just double layer the high-grade material for sure. So Mark arrived home after Jess He's not done with the first time. He's already like, next time. Yeah. <laughs> so again, uh, when he writes about... Um, Johnny, he says Jen. Yeah. Uh, I forget what he called Gills. Giles. He called him... Biles. I forget what he called him. <laughs> but uh, his wife's name is Jess. And when he does his online thing, he's... Oh, I forgot this guy's married, too. Yeah. yeah he's Jen. So, yeah. like, this... For a guy that thinks he's, like, a, you know, <laughs> creative mind, he needs some work on yeah. his uh, aliases. His next movie he's going to write is Star Battles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> So uh, he sneaks into his house, uh, heads down to the basement where he had, where you know, because he had his bed and his office and stuff down there, uh, and he has his own private bathroom down there with a shower. Oh yeah, because his wife caught him like doing the catfishing thing. He's like, ah, oh, that's for a movie. Yeah, yeah. This fucking guy. Uh, so after showering, he dumps all of his bloody clothes, including his shoes, into the washer, and he goes to bed. A few days later, Mark wakes up at five o'clock in the morning using Johnny's keys to enter Johnny's condo. Uh, he pocketed some cash. Went through the drawers, uh, ensured everything appeared undisturbed. Then Mark turned on the computer, finding that Johnny had left all of his accounts logged in. Uh, so then he went to work, making it seem like Johnny had just ran away. He took Johnny's laptop and printer, uh, believing that the police might recover the garage directions from the printer's memory. Um, he didn't know this at the time, though, but Johnny had sent the directions to Willie. Mm -hmm. So Johnny's friends became concerned when he didn't communicate over the weekend. Dale received Johnny's emails about returning to Jen's house a day later, and Willie noticed his absence on MSN Messenger. Uh, by Sunday night, Dale realized something was amiss and initiated the process of finding out what happened. They heard back from Johnny on Monday, October 13th, though, claiming he had hit it off with Jen and was planning a tropical vacation. Suspicious, Dale tried to file a missing persons report, but the police dismissed it, assuming Johnny left willingly. As Johnny's friends gathered, they found its uh, inconsistencies in the story. Dale eventually discovered an unlocked window at Johnny's condo. Upon entering, they found all his belongings, including clothes, luggage, personal items, and his passport. This evidence finally prompted the police to open a missing persons file. Uh, I guess, said the police. We, you know, it's October. Well, is this going to stop you guys from, like, calling us if we do this? Let's wait until next year. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Willie let them know about the email with directions, which led... Uh, officers to the garage so however it was locked and the residents of the house who were renters had no knowledge of the garage uh, they provided the contact information for the property manager though on october 18th constable christopher maxwell called mark on his cell phone to confirm if he had rented a garage on the south side of the city the constable inquired about the last time mark had been there and mark responded that it was on friday the 10th maxwell asked if mark had seen a man a red car, or if any women planning to meet a man were present. Mark answered negatively to all of these questions. Uh, Maxwell then requested Mark to meet him at the garage, and Mark agreed. At the garage, uh, Constable Maxwell, accompanied by another officer and their supervisor, found Mark. When they went around to the other side of the garage, Mark claimed there was a padlock that wasn't his, and the latch was screwed in from the outside. Uh, Mark easily removed the screws, unlocked the deadbolt with his key, and allowed the officers inside. They detected the smell of gas and something burnt. In the garage, they discovered a large table resembling one from a medical examiner's office, along with cleaning supplies on the floor. A receipt from a local hardware store dated October 15th, purchased with a credit card, was found. 
The items listed included plastic sheeting, rubber gloves, <laughs> towels, and a bottle of heavy-duty cleaner. Oh, my God. This guy kept the fucking receipt. You don't usually want to get your uh, your kill items off in one place. Yeah. And you don't want to keep the receipt. And don't use a credit card. You don't use a credit card. <laughs> so. I mean, I don't want to be helping, like, future murderers out but there. But this seems like common sense. Yeah. So in the time following Johnny's murder, uh, Mark had taken a 50-gallon metal barrel and the dismembered body parts to his parents' house while they were away, attempting to burn the remains. However, Mark underestimated the difficulty of fully incinerating a body. He eventually gave up, repacked the body parts into garbage bags, and returned them to the garage. I, I wonder how long he actually gave yeah. it, like an hour? I just, like 30 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. This is a fire. <laughs> Yeah, like another thing, if you're going to... Like, you got to get a good flame going. You got, not only it is because of the making a murderer. Yeah. Like, they talk about... And, like, again, I, I hate to, to like, give advice to potential yeah. killers, but if you are going to go to the lengths of killing someone, you got to be committed Don't to be in a hurry. is needed <laughs> after that. Yeah. You can't just half-ass it God. and just be like, i got other shit to do. Yeah, I'll just transport these body parts somewhere else Back now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, like an idiot. So he comes, he returns the the body parts, you know, in the garbage bags and brings them back to the garage. So then later he further dismembers the body parts, placing them into new garbage bags and loads them back into his car. Uh, Mark drove around seeking location to dispose of the parts, ultimately setting settling on a sewer. He found a secluded area with a sewer manhole and dumped the bags. Mark then took on took the remaining evidence back to his parents' house and burned it. So. He finally you just know, dumped them in the sewer. Yeah. So after leaving the garage, police asked Mark to sit in a police cru- cruiser and fill out a witness statement. Uh, Constable Maxwell, while in the car, asked to see Mark's credit cards. Mark hesitated, but eventually handed over a MasterCard, and the last four digits matched the receipt. <laughs> this confirmed that Ma- Mark had been in the garage after October 10th. Around 3 o'clock the following morning, Mark was brought into the Southwest Police Station for an interview. Initially, Mark spent the first half of the interview talking in great detail about the movies he had made and his future plans. He claimed to be close to finishing raising $3.5 million for his upcoming buddy comedy, Day Players, which was very, very far from the truth. (laughs) When the detective redirected the conversation to when Mark had last been to the garage, Mark again insisted that October 10th was the last time. However, he then admitted to stopping by a few days later to drop off some cleaning supplies. The detective found this suspicious, considering Mark's house is on the other side of the city, making an inconvenient trip just for cleaning supplies. Yeah. Mark tried to play it off, but the detective pressed further, asking about what kind of, about the kind of supplies kept in the garage. Uh, Mark listed off props, including a set of knives, duct tape, and swords. Uh, the detective remarked on the coincidence that they were drawn to the garage due to a missing person supposedly going there. Mark acknowledged the eeriness of that situation, expressing a weird chill when informed by Constable Maxwell. He began questioning who knew about their activities at the garage and the shooting schedule. The detective noted the irregularity in the garage being associated with a missing person case, leading to an exchange about the unusual circumstances surrounding Mark's connection to the investigation. Mark attempted to deflect suspicion by playing the classic, uh, well, you know, who else could have, who else would have done this? Maybe? Yeah. Um, expressing confusion and suggesting others might be responsible. However, the detective remained unconvinced as Mark's story did not add up. Mark claimed to have met a guy in the garage after October 10th, but the details were murky. Uh, The detective probed Mark about the foreign padlock, and Mark suggested someone else might have switched it. The detective questioned the possibility that whoever Mark met at the garage might have had access. Uh, Despite Mark's attempts to muddy the waters, the detectives remained very skeptical, especially considering the peculiar items stored in the garage, such, such as knives and duct tape. Uh, Mark continued to feign ignorance, maintaining a facade of cooperation. Despite the lack of concrete evidence, the story Mark presented was inconsistent and raised suspicions. Eventually, the police had to release him due to the absence of any actual evidence. Uh, Mark continued to engage with the detective, though, talking extensively about various topics, from his movies to personal details. Within a few days, homicide detectives took over the case. They reached out to everybody who knew Johnny, attempting to locate him. Uh, failing to find Johnny, they initiated the process of obtaining a warrant to search the garage. Uh, and we will take a break right there and then uh, come back and now this fucker to a wall. Finish up the story of uh, Mark Twitchell. So be right back. Yeah. 
we are back. We don't even know if ads are working, so you yeah. may or may not even heard an ad. If not, you know, just just go buy stuff. Yeah, go buy things. And just be places. like, middle-aged and mediocre sent me. Go eat at Dorothy's Pub yeah. in Marietta on yeah. Front Street. And First City Records. Yeah, there you go. There's an ad. All right, sweet. Free ads. Cool. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Detective Bill Clark uh, did not want to wait for the warrant. So, he contacted Mark to ask if they could take another look. Mark, uh, pretending to be cooperative, agreed. He met an officer at 7-Eleven to provide keys and sign a consent form. However, Mark used this opportunity to share additional information, including an alleged car break-in and an encounter with someone selling a car. Uh, Later, at a different interview at the police headquarters, Mark continued to offer inconsistent details, such as claiming to have purchased a red car from a stranger for $40 on October 15th. Good deal. Great deal, uh-huh. even in Canada. <laughs> Detectives discovered that the red Mazda associated with Mark was registered to Jonathan Altinger. What? The missing man? Oh, man. Witnesses in the neighborhood contradicted Mark's timeline, saying that they had seen him changing the padlock on the garage door and observed a red Mazda in the driveway on the 14th. As his inconsistencies mounted, Mark's story began to unravel. At the police headquarters, Mark spent hours writing out his account, but Detective Clark remained skeptical. He confronted Mark, stating unequivocally that he believed Mark was involved in the disappearance of Jonathan Altinger. He said, what? <laughs> Me? <laughs> I'm a Star Wars fan, yeah. sir. <laughs> uh, did I tell you I made a Star Wars movie? Yeah. The detective pressed Mark for an explanation, convinced of his complicity in the case. Uh, detective Clark, determined to unravel the truth, confronted Mark about his involvement in the disappearance of Johnny Altinger. He emphasized the gravity of the situation, urging Mark to come clean and clean things up, clear things up. However, Mark's lack of strong reaction and minimal responses raised suspicions. Detective Clark noted that an innocent person would typically express outrage and vehemently deny involvement. Yeah. Detective Clark. I'd be flipping tables. Yeah. Like, I didn't fucking do this. Yeah. Uh, Detective Clark highlighted the inconsistencies in Mark's statements, pointing out how his version of the event, yeah. How his version of events had changed multiple times. Mark, who, you know, was typically pretty good at lying, uh, seemed to struggle to come up with a plausible story that matched the evidence emerging in the investigation. As Detective Clark pressed for the truth, Mark uh, pretty much just remained silent. Mark eventually mentioned that he was ready to get a lawyer, signaling an end to the interview. Though Mark avoided confessing, Detective Clark considered the interview valuable as Mark inadvertently revealed possessing the keys and license plate to Johnny's car in his own Grand Am. Despite lacking enough evidence for an immediate arrest, Detective Clark didn't let Mark off easily. In the elevator on the way to the main floor, he directly told Mark, quote, I know you killed that guy, and I'm coming to get you. It's just a matter of time. Hell yeah. (laughs) Once outside, Detective Clark seized Mark's car, citing Mark's admission of having Johnny's property in it as justification. He explicitly informed Mark, quote, I'm seizing your car and I'm taking it right now. Mark, realizing the escalating situation, expressed a need to retrieve something from his car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do you just have like five minutes with the car first? <laughs> yeah, nobody looking. There's nothing to do with the case or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I got I get my cassettes out of there. I got to get my big box of porn out of there, and I don't want you guys seeing <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, so Detective Clark firmly rejected this request <laughs> and said, quote, you're getting fuck all out of that car. Mark insisted he only That's wanted... That's what I have, a box of fuck all. I gotta <laughs> get it. Mark insisted that he only wanted to get a cell phone. But, De Clark, uh, but Detective Clark uh, responded with, you get nothing. Mark reluctant, reluctantly handed over his keys and walked away. Uh, investigators then obtained obtained search warrants for Johnny's car, Mark's car, the garage, and his and Mark's house. The search uncovered various incriminating items in Mark's car. They found a hunting knife with blood on it, a duffel bag with blood stains on the handle, and a blood stain on the trunk's carpet. In the garage, blood was discovered throughout, and Mark's house yielded a hockey mask painted gold and black, a fake gun, a travel guide for Costa Rica, postcards from Costa Rica, and a book titled Crime Scene. How forensic science works. <laughs> I read on the shitter. What? So, he drove to the police station with the bloody knife <laughs> and a duffel bag with blood on it. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> on Mark's computer, a deleted file titled SK Confessions was recovered. 
the content shocked investigators as it detailed how Mark had But they said the guy's name is Jim! <laughs> this can't... <laughs> Shit, we got the wrong guy, <laughs> detective. Oh, no, he killed a guy named Jim. But yeah. That has nothing to do with Johnny. Uh... The content shocked investigators as it detailed how Mark lured Johnny to his garage and killed him. Astonishingly, the document revealed Mark had attempted a similar plan before, but the victim had managed to escape. DNA results from the blood stain in the trunk of Mark's car confirmed it belonged to Jonathan Altinger. Subsequent DNA results consistently linked Mark to the crime. During this period, Mark was hiding at his parents' house. Uh, the police, posing as potential investors for day players... Arranged a meeting with Mark on October 31st. They'll never find me here at my parents'. <laughs> my parents' house. <laughs> Unaware of the impending arrest, Mark thought he was about to secure funding for his movie. Like, <sighs> just the dumbest. You have had no luck getting funding for this movie. Yeah. And now, in the middle of a police investigation, there's just two random investors yeah. that are like, we really want to give you money. <laughs> we right now. Yeah, right. We need to meet you right now for this money. As Mark walked to a nearby coffee shop, police cars surrounded him, and he was ordered to the ground. Uh, Mark was He's arrested. He's like, no, no, I gotta be an investor. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's so close. This is the worst. Can I just go to the coffee shop for a minute? <laughs> Five minutes. Mark was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Uh, upon analyzing the clothes he wore during the arrest, both his shoes and belt were found to have blood on them, matching Jonathan Altinger. On November 2nd, Giles, the man who had escaped Mark's previous attempt, learned about the arrest from a friend who had read an online news article. The article included a picture of the hockey mask, the same one during Giles' attack, and now he headed to the police station to share his experience. In recounting his struggle with Mark, Giles highlighted how Mark's actions deviated from what one might expect in a criminal scenario. Uh, despite having the opportunity, Mark didn't immediately inca incapacitate Giles with a weapon, Instead, he opted for the non-lethal approach using a taser. Giles also noted that Mark didn't display professionalism, as evidenced by his unconventional and seemingly inexperienced tactics. Mark's failure to effectively use a fake gun and a plastic taser device suggested to Giles that this might have been Mark's first attempt. Following Mark's arrest, investigators faced a challenge in extracting information about Johnny's whereabouts. Mark initially refused to divulge any details and insisted on consulting with a lawyer before cooperating. Subsequent, subsequent attempts to make him reveal the location of Johnny's remains, including a car ride around the city, provided proved futile. Mark's own writings, found in his journal, handed at the disposal of Johnny's remains in a sewer. In his entries, Mark described a calculated choice of location, reasoning that the older, less congested neighborhoods with alleys provided a suitable environment for his dark activities. As investigators revisited the garage and pointed out Mark's actions, he maintained a stubborn silence. Despite efforts to jog his memory and encourage him to dis disclose the location of the body, Mark remained uncooperative. Eventually, he was taken to jail where he awaited trial. Uh, Mark's notoriety grew with his face plastered across newspaper headlines, making him the most famous prisoner in jail. To ensure his safety, he was moved to a more secure area on the top floor of the jail. However, Mark, displaying a narcissistic demeanor, continued to express displeasure with the way he was treated, including being interrogated extensively and being arrested without prior I made prior a Star warning. Wars movie. Treat me with respect. Being arrested without prior warning. Yeah. He didn't like that. <laughs> you guys didn't tell me you, you were going to You tricked me. You have to tell me. Yeah. I thought I was going to meet investors. Amidst Mark's legal proceedings, Jess took proactive measures to distance herself from her husband's crimes. She hired two lawyers, one specifically to serve as her legal advocate, uh, acting, you know, as the uh, go-between between her and the police. This meant the police could not could no longer communicate directly with her. Uh, the second lawyer handled the divorce proceedings, which were filed by mid-November. In addition to seeking full custody of their daughter, Jess also requested a restraining order against Mark. Eventually, she moved away from the area and changed her name, likely as part of an effort to distance herself further from the consequences of Mark's actions. Despite extensive efforts by the police to locate Johnny's remains, including an initial focus on the sewer manholes in the eastern part of the city, as described in Mark's writings, the search was unsuccessful. The investigation expanded, but the whereabouts of the victim's remains remained elusive. By October 2009, Mark had been denied bail, and the judge decided to cancel his preliminary hearing. This hearing, typically used to assess whether there was sufficient evidence to proceed to trial, was deemed unnecessary due to the <laughs> overwhelming evidence against Mark. We got Mark. this guy. 
Detective Clark met with Mark to deliver this news and once again implored him to disclose the location of Johnny's remains. Mark reacted with anger, maintaining his innocence, but refusing to provide any details that could support his claims. Mark, exhibiting a char- character, his characteristic hubris, continued to believe he was smarter than those investigating. Despite being caught quickly and making numerous mistakes, he declared his intelligence and innocence, confident that everything would come to light during the trial. Nevertheless, Mark's denial did not deter the detectives, who were determined to secure a body to eliminate any doubt about Johnny's fate and ensure the maximum sentence for Mark. The trial began with Mark entering a plea of not guilty. Mark's defense strategy was centered around an unusual claim. He admitted to killing Johnny, but asserted that it was an act of self-defense. Oh. According to Mark, the writings in SK Confessions were, work, were works of fiction based on some facts. He argued that he set up a fake pro- dating profiles to lure men to his garage intending to create a more convincing story for his horror film, House of Cards. The film, Mark explained, was part of a larger concept he called Maple, multi-angle psychosis layering entertainment. The idea was to blur the lines between fiction and reality, making the film appear as if it were a real-life urban legend. Initially, Mark's plan involved convincing the men who arrived at his garage to play along with a fabricated attack story, However, he claimed to have changed his mind and instead physically scared them. In Johnny's case, Mark said that he revealed the absence of, quote, Jen, explained his maple plan, and as a result, Johnny attacked him, leading to a situation where Mark had to kill him in self-defense. Yeah. That's definitely what happened. (laughs) However, the prosecutor dismantled Mark's narrative during the trial. The prosecution questioned the plausibility of Mark's self-defense claim, especially given the extent of the violence and dismemberment that followed. The prosecutor highlighted the questionable circumstances, such as Mark's supposed unplanned use of a pipe, which coincidentally matched what he had written about in his plan. Additionally, the set of field tools conveniently present for dismemberment raised suspicions. Mark insisted that 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 was all just a coincidence. The prosecutor also challenged the credibility of Mark's narrative, questioning why he would need to resort to violence if his original plan was only to scare the victims. The absurdity of Mark's claims became apparent as the prosecutor pointed out the discrepancies and inconsistencies in his story. The evidence presented against Mark, including the gruesome discovery in the sewer, made it challenging for the defense to establish a credible case. As the trial unfolded, Mark's defense strategy faced skepticism, and the prosecution aimed to highlight the implausibility of a self-defense narrative. Very implausible. Mm. On April 12, 2011, Mark Twitchell was found guilty of first-degree murder and received a life sentence in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years. The prosecution decided not to pursue another trial for the attempted murder of Giles since, even if successful, it wouldn't extend Mark's sentence. In Canada, 25 years is the max sentence, even for multiple convictions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mark would be eligible. They're so polite. They're very polite over there. Mark would be eligible for parole about tw- after 25 years, but there was hope that it would never be granted, especially considering the disturbing plans he revealed in his journal to kill more individuals, including those he disliked. His potential targets included a former boss he had a strange relationship with and the ex-boyfriend of a woman named Tracy with whom Mark had had an affair with before Johnny's murder. During the trial, jurors were given excerpts from SK Confessions to read along as it was presented in court records. Certain parts were excluded due to being deemed too prejudicial for the jury. One of the excluded portions was Mark's self-diagnosis, written weeks before Johnny's murder. In it, Mark described himself as a psychopath, admitting to be a pathological liar and lacking feelings like remorse or guilt. He discussed his ability to put on a facade of being a social and upbeat person despite his dark side. Uh, Mark filed an appeal, initially claiming that media attention had tainted the jury and arguing there was enough evidence to raise reasonable doubt. However, he later withdrew the appeal nine months after filing it, recognizing its futility. His attempt to challenge the logic of the Crown's case was dismissed, and its appeal did not alter the conviction or sentence. Mark Twitchell remains incarcerated, serving his life sentence for for the heinous crime that he committed. So, lots of time to write movies. His first uh, chance parole will be in 2036. Okay. So... 13 years, or yeah. 12 years. 12 years. Uh, he's still got some time that I don't see him ever getting out. No. So, good riddance. <laughs> yeah. Good riddance to Mark Twitchell. The the Dateline I watched, they were asking him about the car, and he claimed 
that he was just walking and someone drove up to him and was like, Hey, I'm leaving the country. You want to buy this car? And he was like, oh, I thought it was crazy. But yeah. <laughs> and he bought Couldn't it. Pass up this deal. Yeah. And like they, so they had video of them, like, take, after he was arrested, taking him back to the garage. And they just kept calling it the kill room. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, you know, they're, they're just fucking with Did this they have guy. like the video footage of like where that detective is like just giving him shit? Yeah, I, th- I think they did have that. Yeah, like that there. dude was just like. I mean, everyone can see it. It's just such, and he's well, such a, a narcissist. Times, a lot of times, you get detectives, and they like just stay friendly. Yeah, it won't that, be the that way, cop. hoping you know yeah. that they kind of build that relationship. It's like, I'm your get, only way out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying this to help guy was you. just like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And we're gonna fucking nail you to the ground. Yeah. So, uh, like in Dexter, Dexter always got rid of his bodies in the oceans. Mm-hmm. And there's no oceans in Canada, so he went into the sewers. The sewers. That's just like the oceans. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, it sucks that after the first time that he tried and the two people did report to the police about what had happened, yeah. it's very unfortunate that the police didn't like put in some effort, like check to see who owned that garage. Yeah, because I mean, it was in front of the garage, but I mean, I, you would still be like, well, yeah, check the, yeah, it's right there. I mean, I mean you could have at least done a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and they interviewed those people too, and I get what they were saying. They thought that, like, it was a setup, like, you know, this guy was, because they said, every, like, even the way the guy fell, the victim, Giles, like you said, it even felt, like, staged. Yeah. And they just thought, was this guy, you know, is this a way to, like, throw them off, you know, get their guard down so they could be attacked? Yeah, or wrong. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get, I kind of get that, you know, not wanting, everyone's afraid to get, not everyone, but most people are afraid to get involved in anything. But, you know, like. At least they did go. Yeah, they tried. They called the police. The police, so, like you said, they drove by like, oh, we don't see a world in a hockey mask. Yeah. So I'm not saying that if they would have found that Mark owned that garage and talked to him, I'm not saying that would have stopped anything. But, at le- you know, it could have put the idea into Mark's mind of like, yeah. all right, I need to maybe take some time and readjust. Which may have been an even worse thing. He may have just gotten even better and not got caught the second yeah. time. But so it's smart of Johnny to tell let someone know what he was doing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're ever going somewhere sketchy, you're not sure about something, let somebody know Every time I at. come over here, I'm like, I'm going to Josh's. Well, like that time I went to pick up those cards that you found for me, yeah. and I poured in, and I'm like, just the whole time, I'm like, I'm st- I can take a picture of the place in here. <laughs> the whole time, I'm just sitting there, like, looking at all the different ways somebody could sneak up. Little did you know I was in on it. <laughs> Three penguins in a, in, a, in a trench coat walk up. <laughs> God damn it, I do it. Again. It's always, it's the same three. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm glad the dude got caught. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's uh, not that it's good that somebody had to die, but at least it was just one dude. Yeah, at least only one. They got this guy and fuck yeah. him. Because it sounds like he would have just kept Fuck going. him all the way. Yeah. And, uh, just listening to, the interroga- listening to him interrogation footage and just the fucking cockiness yeah. and... It's just mind blowing to me, and it's mind blowing. Well, he didn't write that in the story that he'd get caught. He wasn't right, you know? <laughs> right. So his character, yeah. But you should I, watch the Dateline. You should. You should. I check will. That I'll check out. it out. Yeah, I have been watching a lot of uh, interrogation videos uh-huh. here lately, and it just, I can, I cannot believe how many people think that they can talk themselves out of it. Just say I want a lawyer immediately. Yeah. If yeah. Unless you have nothing to do with it, then, you know. Even then. Even <laughs> yeah. then. Because even say. then, I mean, yeah, you could be. Because that whole thing of, like, well, if I say I want a lawyer, I'm going to look I'm gonna look guilty. Well, if you're in there talking to the cops. There's a good chance they, they're, already, they they're already looking at you like you're yeah. guilty. So, I mean. And even if maybe they don't 100% think you're guilty, you may say something that you're, like, you don't, you know. But they take it as, like, maybe a possibility of your guilt. And yeah. then they start pressing. And then before you know it, you're, like. Stuck in some shit. So just, I want a lawyer. Yeah. Don't even fucking talk to him. That's crazy to me. And especially if you've done something. You're not, <laughs> you're not talking your way out of it. Like, they're going, they already, and especially when, like, I love it when, like, I know that the cops already have certain evidence. Yeah. And everything. And, like, they, you know, they'll have, like, video footage or whatever. And you just, the stories. They're just letting the people just dig themselves deeper. The stories these people make up. Uh, good for, good for the people to dig themselves deeper. Fuck yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, nobody out there listening ever finds themselves in a situation where yeah. they have to do that. But I would say Don't kill people. If you're listening yeah. to this and you're on the fence about don't kill people. I would say innocent or not, yeah. Get a lawyer. Yeah. Liar. Don't risk it. So there's been many, many cases where a guy that there were people have been completely innocent mm-hmm. and after
after hours and hours and hours and hours of interrogation. Yeah. You know, no food. I mean, maybe food, but yeah, they just you see it all the time. They We're being released after twenty years in prison after you know found out he didn't kill him. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to take a week off yeah. uh, for Christmas activities and, and see things. you next year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I thought you were just clicking it off right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, we'll be back on the thirtieth. Maybe. 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 So if not, you can hold it till then. <laughs> Our last episode should be out December thirty first <laughs> for the year. Damn it! So, uh, and then uh, then then you can make that. Joke. Okay. So save it for the thirty first. See you next week. Then I'll see you next year. No, you'll see it next weeks. week's Christmas. God then, damn it! Then that. <laughs> so I hope everyone out there has uh, happy holidays. And Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Yep. I don't know any more words of that nope. song. Because we're middle-aged and mediocre. Bye. <laughs>